that wasn't good for the microphone, nor my ear for that matter, dropping the remote piece. <laughs> um, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 as we continue our series through 1 Peter. We're reading from chapter 3. Let me just get myself together. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. If you haven't got your Bibles with you, you can follow along on the screen. Verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewellery or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, firstly... I want to give a disclaimer similar to insurance companies when they say that uh, their, their advice is, is not uh, advice to be followed to the letter. And um, I, my disclaimer is that I'm not the, the most experienced husband in this room. Um, 16 years we've been married, 16 and a half years. Um, I'm probably the least qualified to give a, a message on a good biblical marriage. But, join with me anyway. <laughs> I do hope and pray that, that God uses this passage and what I might say to, to speak into your life this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would be our teacher this morning that through your word and, and through what I might say, Lord, that you would, you would teach each one of us to follow you more closely through the biblical definition of marriage and, and what it looks like and its purpose, Lord. Not just to raise children and, and be, be comfortable together, but, Lord, to display your grace and love for this world. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us this morning. Teach us and encourage us and, and challenge us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dealing with marriage, if you couldn't guess, and I believe it is one of the primary ways, as I've already prayed, that, that others see Christ in us, either collectively as the church or as, as individual couples. 
But I think it's also one of the primary ways that we've botched up displaying Christ to this world. Unfortunately, the divorce rate within churches are as high, if not higher, than that outside of the church. And when I say church, I don't mean the building, I mean the people. And this morning, in order to, to understand a little more about this, this letter, uh, let's just recap about what we've been through. We've started our series with a call to be born again to a living hope from chapter 1. That God has chosen us to be his people and we are called to be holy as he is holy. And out of that call to be holy comes the call or instruction to be subject to authority. Those in authority over us, governors, masters, employers, and there's instruction there to slaves as well, or servants. And all of this practical instruction is based upon the, the premise that God has poured his, his grace upon the church. It starts with, God has done this and therefore follow along. That through the sacrifice of Jesus, we may know God and, and live for him. And our, our letter this morning, our passage from 1 Peter, is very similar to, to the, the teaching that Paul gives us upon marriage. And so in order to you know, set up the groundwork a little bit more, Let's uh, just turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse, chapter 5 and 6. Ephesians chapter 5. And if you're anything like me, you struggle sometimes to find Ephesians amongst all the other Ians. Chapter 5, verses 21 to 28, Paul speaks about wives and husbands but he starts with this verse verse 21 submitting to one another out of reverence for christ and he says verse 21 uh, 22 wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the household and so on and then verse 25 husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in the same way, verse 28, verse, uh, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves, him, loves his wife loves himself. And further along in, in chapter 6, Paul gives the instruction to children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. And there's instruction there in verse 4 of chapter 6 of fathers not provoking their children to anger but bringing them up in the dis discipline and instruction of the Lord. Then again, similar to our, our passage in, in 1 Peter, there's instruction there for slaves and, and masters, slaves to obey their mas masters and, and masters to do the same, to not lord it over them and treat them unkindly. And so in the same way as we have instruction here for for people to be submissive to authority, for, for those in authority to, to treat those under their authority with kindness. We see the, 
the call for, for wives to be subject to their husbands. But the key verse there in, in Ephesians is verse 21 of chapter 5. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And a similar sort of verse in chapter, chapter 2 of 1 Peter is verse 21. Laying the groundwork of why we are submissive. Verse 21, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Now, we're going to do a, a something a little bit different to the usual three-point sermon and we'll work our way through this passage verse by verse or chunks by chunks. And the first passage that I, I want to bring to your attention, of course, well, why not start at the start? It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Peter starts with likewise, and he tells us to, to look back. Likewise, or in the same way as you are submissive to authority, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, or be subject to your own husbands. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm obviously not a wife, But when we hear these words, be submissive, we sometimes, in and of our own flesh, we, we, we're like, no, I don't, I don't want to submit to anyone else because I've got to look out for myself. And if I submit and hand over control or, or the, the direction of my life, then who's going to look after me? This is where the biblical ideal of submission is different to our ideal or idea of submission or the Hollywood version of submission. In biblical times, for many of the other religions, there was a, a need or an unwritten rule for um, those who were in the household to become Jews or Hindus or Muslims or whatever it might be especially if the head of the household became converted to another religion. But Christianity was not like this. There was no unwritten rule of you must do what your, um, what those who... So if the wife became a Christian, there was no unwritten rule of the husband must be a Christian as well. And so we have wives in the church that were Christians that had become saved and husbands who were not and vice versa as well. And so who Peter is addressing here is that these wives who do not have believing husbands need to be subject to their own husbands in order to save them through their respectful and pure conduct. I know there's, there's some ladies within this congregation that don't have husbands who are believers. And if there are any verses that would be a real good encouragement to you, it's these two throughout the whole Bible. This call for a woman to be subject 
also served for the purpose of a household to maintain order. In Roman times, the household was the foundation of society, and ordered households meant ordered society. But Peter is not saying that base your good Christian conduct upon the best parts of society. No, he's saying that Christianity is not an insurrectional religion where we raise up um, fights or, or whatever the word is that I'm trying to say to, to against those that are in authority over us. Now, there's a story that illustrates the principle of a wife being subject to her husband within marriage. A drunken husband spending the evening with his three mates at a pub boasted that if he took them all home with him at midnight, his wife, his Christian wife, would get up, cook supper for them, and and she would do it without complaint. And so his mates, obviously, being hungry, um, dared him to try it, and so the drunken trio went home, and he made the unreasonable demands of his wife. She obeyed and dressed and came down and and prepared a very nice supper as if she was expecting them. And after supper, one of the men asked her how she could be so kind when they had been so unreasonable and when she did not approve of their conduct as well. Her reply was, Sir, when my husband and I were married, we were both sinners. It has pleased God to call me out of that dangerous condition. But my husband continues in it, and I tremble for his future state. Were he to die as he is, he would be miserable forever. So I think it my duty to render his present existence as comfortable as possible. (laughs) Not long after that, her husband was saved. Now, I couldn't find any verifiable evidence to see that this was a, a true story or not, but you can see the principle there, can't you? So very clearly, Peter is saying that wives should be subject or submissive to, a, to their husbands in order to save them. But wives, I don't want to downplay the, the effect that a, a wife who is subject to a husband for the sake of Christ has on a marriage or has on a, her husband. In fact, when a a husband and a wife collectively put aside their own wants and needs in order to serve the other, then that's a biblical marriage that is strong and healthy. One that that displays the, the grace that God has for us, the love that God has for us, and the way that Jesus was submissive to God the Father and laid down his life for the sake of the church. So there's a very clear call here for wives to submit to their husbands. But women, this does not mean that you are slaves or or doormats. And there might come a day when you need to respectfully disagree with your husband. But wives, for the sake of your husband's relationship with God, be subject to him so that he no longer sees you as the one who fights against him, as the one who, 
who disagrees with him all the time, but as the one who longs to see him grow in his relationship with Christ. Peter continues his instruction in verse 3 and 4 about what, what women should wear. No, he doesn't. He says how they should adorn themselves. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewellery or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Peter instructs the, the wives amongst the church to not be focused upon their outward appearance but to be concerned with their spiritual condition and their character as well. Now, he's not saying that women cannot dress nice, cannot have nice hair and cannot have jewellery. What he is saying is that when your focus becomes completely upon these things, then it can become a barrier between you and God. When Peter wrote this letter, there was a tendency for women to display their beauty and their wealth through, you know, fine clothing and, and beautiful hair and gold jewellery. And it, was a, it served to the purpose of, of trying to elevate themselves among society. There's not much that has changed now, has there? We still focus a lot of our attention on our outward beauty, our, our appearance, rather than our inward character. You just have to go to the, the shopping centre in order to see what um, focus we place upon ourselves. You don't see many shops named character building shop. Don't be distracted by the negative here and, and waylaid by being legalistic about women just wearing knee-length brown skirts and no jewellery and no makeup and no hair. I mean, no <laughs> hair done. <laughs> what Peter is saying is that we should focus more attention upon how we are in our inward character. I love a good thunderstorm. We should be focusing more attention upon our inward character, our, our spiritual condition, rather than our physical condition. And this is the case for both men and women. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in verse 31 and 33 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore do not be anxious about anything, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our first and primary focus should be the kingdom of God rather than what's temporary on the outside. Beauty is fading, but the things of God are eternal. Beauty is also in the eye of the beholder. And as you grow old together as a husband and wife, you become more focused upon what your wife is like as a 
as a person rather than her outward beauty, don't you? Older gentlemen, can you verify this? So young ladies, do not be obsessed with your outward appearance. Young men, when you're seeking a wife, examine her character as much as you do her outward appearance. Place a higher value on her character than what you do her beauty, just as Peter says, her imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I didn't, didn't do this when I, when I was a, a young guy seeking a wife, but I didn't, didn't pray for a woman of godly character. I got one, though. Husbands, compliment your wives. Not just on her hair when she gets it cut or the, or the way that she looks in those jeans or that dress, but on her character. For every one compliment you give her on her outward appearance, give her two for her character and her gentle spirit. Build her up in that way. Tell her that she looks good in that dress, but also tell her that you love the way she prays or the love, you love the way she consistently reads her Bible or the way that she re- raises your children together with you in the ways of the Lord. And wives, be more concerned about your inward character than you are about your outward appearance. Moving on, verses 5 and 6, Peter gives us an example of of someone who did this. Verse 5, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Hey, Jody, this is Lord David Dale Buchanan. It was as close as I could get. (laughs) He's from the 1800s from Scotland. Of course, I joke. The way that Sarah addressed her husband... Abraham was out of respect for, like our, our sir or our mister. And so I'm not advocating for, for wives to call their husbands Lord, but I certainly am advocating for wives to treat their, their husbands with uh, a lot of respect. And Peter uses this example from, from the history of Israel so that his readers would be able to to know what a woman of complete submission looks like. He uses this example to illustrate that husbands must not lord it over their wives or scare them into submission. Because Sarah's submission was, was not slavish, it was out of respect and adoration towards Abraham. In the next verse, Peter addresses the husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 
There's six verses addressing wives and just one for the husbands. And so, ladies, you can be mistaken for thinking that Peter's a chauvinistic pig. But every word out of this verse gives us as husbands a boot up the backside in a big way. He begins and says, Husbands, likewise, in the same way as your wives are submissive to you, in the same way as you are submissive to those in authority over you, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to her. Now let me clarify, there's a difference between being understanding and understanding your wife. This is my last sermon. I can get into as much trouble as I like. (laughs) It was a joke, yes. Peter says that we need to, as husbands, we need to live with our wives in an understanding way. And this involves knowing her character, knowing her moods and emotions are are different to us as men, knowing that different things affect her emotionally than they do as men, for men. Some of you may have seen it. Mark Gungor, a guy from the the States, has an illustration of the, the difference between men and women and how they think. And he says that that men's brains are made up of of little boxes, okay? And these boxes, they don't touch. There's a box for the car and a box for work and a box for the kids and a box for the finances and a box for um, nothing. And if we're talking about the finances, we just talk about that. We don't talk about the, f- the work as well as the car and the kids. But yet, women, however, and these are his words, not mine, women have a brain that is like spaghetti, where everything is connected. His job is connected to the house, which is connected to the finances and the kids and, the, and so on. And the electricity that charges a woman's brain is called emotion. And he says, I love it. You'll have, to, you'll have to find it later on YouTube. He says that emotion charges around and, and everything is connected by emotion. Men, women are emotional creatures in a different way than we are. And I'm sure that God created us this way so that we might complement each other as husbands and wives, as we live together. And so, husbands, the challenge here is to live with your wife in an understanding way, knowing that she is a, an emotional creature, a gentle creature, person. Not being a brute or a tyrant over the top of her, but showing her honour as the weaker vessel. Our general, general rule of thumb is that, that women are the weaker vessel or the weaker sex. Not, not completely, but they are a smaller in stature, in physique. They're more readily emotional, as we've already talked about. 
and they're generally the more nurturing one of a husband and wife. And God has designed us this way and so that we would complement each other, as I already said. For all areas of our marriage, for child raising, for living with each other. And they are the weaker vessel and it is our job, our task, our challenge to show them honour. Eight ways of showing honour to your wife, talking to her. Don't just talk at her, but talk to her and with her. Share, her. share your life with her, your hopes and your dreams, and tell her about your dreams. Tell her how beautiful she is and how much you love her often. Carve out time where you sit and just talk over a cup of tea or coffee without your phone in your hand or, your, or the TV on in the background. Number two, save the best for of you for her. Most men are tired when they get home from work, am I right? And sometimes work follows them home. But regardless, husbands, she needs the best of you. So save that energy for her. Don't spend it all at work and don't spend it all with your kids, but give her the best. And that can be in the morning too. Better to be use all your energy up with your wife and then go to work and be tired. <laughs> Number three, keep your eyes on her. We're vis visual characters as guys, aren't we? And so we need to stop taking the opportunity to check out the, ch the lady in the checkout line at the supermarket. That's not what it means. The only woman you should be checking out or, or glancing at is your wife. Someone just got that joke. She needs to know that she is the only one for you in every way, especially physically. Number four, be consistent in your behaviour. When your wife isn't around, you should act the same as you do when she is by your side. Most importantly, how we act when we're talking with other women is, is, much, is as much as important as when your wife is there with you. Number five, support her dreams. It can be easy to be selfish and make it all about you. And as guys, this is difficult for us. But if you're talking honestly with your wife and sharing your life with her, you're going to uncover her hopes and dreams. And so you should be her biggest cheerleader. Support everything, support her with everything that you have and all that you are. Here's a big one. Speak highly of her. And once again, this should be done when she is there and when she's not. The best way to do this is through third-party affirmation. Like if you're standing with your wife right there and, and you can tell the other person um, how amazing your wife is. But you definitely want to be making sure that you're speaking highly of her when she's not around. Especially as, as a bunch of guys hanging out together. There's a tendency amongst us as guys 
sometimes to, to let the conversation degrade into speaking about our wives, whinging about their shortcomings. If this ever happens to you, change the conversation, flip it on its head and, and talk about how amazing your wife is. Speak positively about her. Number seven, handle conflict fairly. Fights and disagreements are going to come up and, and if you're going to be tempted to go the low blow with your wife, that's not treating her with honour. Fight fair. Don't bring up things that have, have caused hurts in the past and, and don't use manipulation to win an argument. Wives, this goes for you as well. But husbands, don't be afraid to, to be wrong, to give in. It's okay to lose an a disagreement occasionally. I mean, when you're wrong. <laughs> We're not always right, and so we ne should never think that we are. And don't use manipulation to, to win an argument. Number eight, give her full access to your life. She should have full access to every area of your life. Out of transparency and accountability, we should never hide anything from our, uh, our wives. And this is one that I didn't put up there, but teach your children to honour your wife as well. When your teenage daughter gets sassy with her mum, pull her up on it. When your four-year-old son starts treating her as if she's her slave, his slave, pull him up on it. And also every age in between as well. The character of a man is, is defined with how he treats his wife. Let me say that again. The character of a man is defined by how he treats his wife. The reason we are to do this, men, is because they are heirs with us of the grace of life. This means that they're not our enemy, but they are equals under Christ. We're equals in our standing with God because of what Jesus has done for us. We're different in role, but equal in standing. We are co-heirs of the grace of life that Jesus has brought us. And men, we should live with our wives in an understanding way and show honour to them so that they may continue in their relationship with God to grow. The final statement in verse 7 is that we should do this so that our prayers may not be hindered, so that our relationship with God may not be hindered. You've heard the saying, happy wife, happy life. I really wish that life rhymed with husband. <laughs> Understand it in this way. If your relationship with your wife is not good, firstly, your life is not going to be happy, but your prayers will be hindered. God is not happy with you if you treat your wife in a less than understanding way. 
if you do not show her honour. Our relationship with God is not just vertical, but it also can, it, it, um, it involves those with our relationship that we have around us now, horizontal relationships. So therefore, if your wife isn't happy with you, God is not going to be happy with you either. Again, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Exchange the word brother for wife. If our relationship with our wives is not on par or better than par, And that says something about our relationship with God also. Men and ladies, uh, I don't care how much you try, you will not be able to do this alone. You will not be able to submit to your husband in in a godly way. You will not be able to live with your wife in an understanding way and show her honor without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I'll I'll go as far as to say that we need the help of others as well, other Christians. Verse 8, I'm pinching it from Isaac for next week. It says, "Finally, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. See that word there, unity of mind. Let's all chase after the same goal, whether we're husband, wives. Let's chase after the goal of seeing God glorified through our life, through the way that we submit to each other, through the way that we submit to authorities, through the way that we submit as husband and wife together, and the way that we live and show each other honour. Let's be sympathetic and love each other with a tender heart and a humble spirit. There's a tendency amongst churches for people to come on a Sunday morning and just act as if everything from Monday to Saturday is peachy. And I think, I know, that we need to break down these barriers of, of just acting as if we're all okay. If you're experiencing marriage difficulties, it's okay to be not okay. But you need to seek help. Seek help of the uh, of fellow Christians around you. Seek help of, of a pastor. Seek help of a counsellor. And rely on God to, to give you a, a tender heart and a humble spirit towards the other. I like doing things differently. And um, I'd like to pray this evening, this morning, um, as husband and wife. And so I'm going to invite Jody to come forward. And I ask this morning that if you're not already sitting beside your husband or wife, now's the time. Um, 
and I'd ask if you'd join hands. If you're single, married, uh, single or divorced or widowed, I'd ask that you would find someone whom you, you know um, to lay hands upon them and, and to, to pray for them in a way that, that you wish. If your spouse is not here, either through departing this world or, or illness or just not here, pray for them in spirit. And kids, would you join with your parents? Hold their hand or, or something like that. Again, if you're, if you're widowed or, or divorced, please find someone that you can pray with. I'm going to pray for, for husbands and then Jody's going to pray for wives. So please join with me. Lord God, we need your help. We thank you for the, the wonderful image that marriage is to us of your love and your grace that you've poured out upon this earth. And as husbands, Lord, we ask now that you would continue to help us to, to serve our wives, to live with them in an understanding way and, and showing them honour because they are heirs with us of this grace of life that you have given us. Lord, may we be husbands that, that proclaim your goodness firstly and also the goodness of our, our wives. Lord, we ask that you would help us to, to be servants just in the same way that Jesus was, was our servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. Help us to love our wives in the same way that Christ loved the church and, and gave himself up for her. Lord, we, we ask for those who are, uh, are widowed or divorced or, or have husbands that are, are not believing husbands. Lord, we pray that you would pour your spirit out upon them and 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 help them to know from experience of, of what, what a beautiful thing marriage is. Lord, I also help, I pray that you would help us as husbands to not provoke our children to anger or, or be tyrants, lording it over our wives, but serving them out of reverence to you. Lord, we... We do ask for your help so that our marriages might bring you glory. Father, I, I pray on behalf of all the wives here in this building. I pray that we seek you first, that we invite your Holy Spirit into our hearts to be filled by you, to be loved by you, to be encouraged by you and to not look to our husbands solely for that affirmation. 
Help us, Lord, to love our husbands and to honour them. Help us, Lord, to love our husbands when we may not feel respected or valued or honoured. Help us, Lord, to truly understand the position that you have placed us in within our families. That we don't have to be weak or passive, but that we can be strong in all that Jesus has called us to do. Lord, I pray this morning that our children will be able to see in our relationships with you the value of putting you first in all things. Help us to love and nurture our children as you would have us, that they may grow in your ways and in your wisdom and in your understanding, that in each of our families we can be strong because we trust in you first for whatever comes our way. I pray this morning, Lord, for those who, who have hurting hearts for whatever reason, whether it's within relationships currently, whether it's within relationships of past. Mm. I pray that we put our personal agendas and fears and hurts aside and let your Holy Spirit in to be able to heal those hidden places in our hearts. May we be a church of people who can take the church in and around our communities and show the community Jesus through the way that we are in our marriages and in our families. You are good. And I pray, Lord, that we can honour you and love you and serve you as you deserve. Just pray these things in your name. Amen. Finally, let me say that Grace is the basis for each of our marriages. In the same way as grace was the, the basis for Christ's gift, Christ's sacrifice for us, grace should be the basis for our marriages. Ladies, you cannot say that, that my husband doesn't deserve me to be subject to him. Because he doesn't. But that's where grace comes in. And, and husbands, in the same way, you cannot say that my wife does not deserve me to live with her in an understanding way because she doesn't. But that's where grace comes in. Let's live lives that reflect God's glory through our marriages, teaching others to do the same as well. Thanks, music team.